There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I'm looking at some of the news headlines during the course of the morning, and they're already talking about how Joe Biden is shoring up his Democratic support but he is facing, and this is what the New York Times says, a tight race against Donald Trump. So does this ring a bell to anyone? I mean, we're, this is exactly where we were in 20, 2016. I mean, you just, there's no denying it. The only difference is I don't believe he was under indictment. Trump was under indictment then. But it may very well be that both of them will be under indictment in this election. I mean, think about this. Yeah, Devin Archer in there yesterday testifying that, uh, that, that they were selling the, the Biden brand. That's the word he used. He said, uh, he said there was no way that Anybody would mess with Burisma, the Ukrainian energy firm, as long as they had, quote, the brand. So what is the brand? Burisma would have got out of business if the brand had not been attached to it because there were a whole bunch of scandals, as you well know, as everybody who's alert knows. So people were intimidated about messing with Burisma legally, not because Hunter was some kind of genius, but because his last name was Biden. And now Devin Archer, his business partner, has confirmed that to the Congress. And he also confirmed that the Burisma executives put very heavy pressure on Hunter Biden to leverage his connections and to handle an investigation into the company by the prosecutor, Shokin, right? Victor Shokin? Well, we know that's true because Joe Biden publicly took credit for getting Mr. Shokin fired. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, we all remember that. So all those claims that President Biden said he never discussed any business dealings with his son? Come on. It's highly unlikely that uh, Hunter Biden was talking with his business partners and his father about the weather. Okay? You know, so the big question up till now has been whether... Well, I'll tell you what's so interesting. You know, yesterday... We're talking about can Joe Biden actually handle running for the presidency and then being the president, right? Can he? Well, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Doesn't look good. His physical condition doesn't really look good. But that's nothing compared to whether or not we have a president right now who misled us during the 2020 debates when he categorically denied that his son was selling the Biden brand overseas. Now, this would have all disappeared if Hunter's plea agreement hadn't blown up in court, right? Prosecutors told the court 
that Hunter might still be charged with failing to register as a foreign agent. So do you understand what that means? He was doing business with foreign countries. <laughs> and then Mr. Archer comes in yesterday, and uh, according to the chairman, James Comer, he said Mr. Archer testified that Joe Biden joined phone conversations with Burisma. And, you know, th that they were selling the brand. He said that Burisma pressured Hunter to get help from D.C. firing the prosecutor. Now, does this prove that Joe Biden discussed any of the business terms or even prove that he shared in any of the, of the profit? No, but at the very least, it exposes that he was gaslighting us, that the American people, he was perfectly comfortable lying to us about his relationships with his son's business partners and dealings. Because that came up in both presidential debates, not because the moderators were fair, but because Donald Trump kept bringing it up. He said in Cleveland in the debate, he said, you know, because uh, Donald Trump was criticized, uh, uh, Joe Biden was criticizing ch uh, Trump's China policy. And then Trump said, China ate your lunch, Joe. And no wonder your son goes in and takes out billions of dollars. He takes out billions of dollars to manage. He makes millions of dollars. And also, while we're at it, why is just out of curiosity, the mayor of Moscow's wife gave your son three and a half million dollars. What did he do with Burisma? So Trump wouldn't let it rest. And now, huh, now Mr. Biden, who denied it over and over again, remember when he said, that's simply not true. And he thought, well, the press loves me. They're just going to keep, uh, they'll believe whatever I said. And it was all going on sw swimmingly until Judge Mary Ellen Noriega said, wait a minute, I'm not rubber stamping this plea. You received a small fortune from Ukrainian and Chinese firms. And then there's the $3.5 million wire transfer from Elena Batarina, who's the widow of the former Moscow mayor, and Trump kept bringing it up. Hunter's lawyers, oh, no, no, he has no interest. He wasn't a co-founder in the firm that got the money. But, but Devin Archer was, a, was linked to the firm, and he knows how Hunter's deals were structured. So I can't wait to read the transcript. They're going to have to release it. And, you know, all those denials, all those denials. And, you know, to his credit, I don't care how you feel about Donald Trump, he would not stop bringing it up because it's true. The laptop from hell, which they convinced the American public for the most part, certainly all the Democrats they convinced was of Russian disinformation, ends up no such thing. The Durham report is very clear. It was not a Russian disinformation dossier. It was a political act by the Democrat Party, by Hillary Clinton. I don't care what the 50, remember when he got on the debate stage and said, well, there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that, that this is Russian, uh, a Russian plan, Russian disinformation, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, that this is a bunch of garbage. Well, that's not true, is it? We know that now. All those 50 former national intelligence folks that said it was Russian disinformation, they were the ones spreading disinformation because we know now that the laptop was Hunter's. And the, the bottom line is Joe Biden wasn't telling the truth during the debates, and there is no way that he can defend those answers today.
we're going to hear we're going to learn a lot more as the congress continues to investigate this even though the white house realizes that they, they can't go with these de- denials anymore that's why the press secretary Karine jean pierre recently switched the official party line from the president never discussed his son's business with him to the president has never been in business with him i'm telling you if joe biden is up against Donald Trump in 2024, he cannot debate him. Because all the Republican candidate, whether it's Donald Trump or not, although I don't think the other ones are smart enough to do what Donald Trump does, all they gotta do is say, Mr. President, we have learned since 2020 that almost everything you claimed about your son's business overseas the last time you were on the debate stage was a lie. Why should the American people believe anything you say now? And really, there's one person who's best able to make that argument. You know, come on, guys. You think I'm, you think I uh, like just cling to Donald Trump uh, because of some, I don't know, personal affection? No, 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 no. I need somebody who's going to challenge these thieves, these creatures who have run amok in Washington, D.C. You know, the New York Times had an article this morning and they said, uh, I'm trying to remember what they said. Um, It's been long known that the elder Mr. Biden at times interacted with his son's business partners. Really? Really? That's not true. Guy Benson wrote in Twitter, he said, folks, look at this sentence in the New York Times. Biden... It has long been known that the elder Mr. Biden at times interacted with his son's business partner. Joe Biden denied that several times, including on the debate stage. It's not just Guy Benson, Stephen Miller brought it up. Radio host Joe Cunningham tweeted, "Eh, it's been long known despite his denials, right? You know, come on guys. That's why I say, look, there's only one person I can think of that's going to shove this into the public awareness if there's a debate between the Republican candidate and Joe Biden as the Democrat candidate. And right now, the Democrats are in absolute panic mode. You know, they're coming out of these hearings, the Democrats, and saying, like, well, nothing new there. It's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, they didn't waste time with multiple impeachments, right? But, but now this is a waste of time getting to the bottom of whether or not the Biden brand was being peddled on the world stage and not to our friends, to our enemies. Not that we consider Ukraine an enemy now, but the, the people that were running the Ukraine at the time were the same oligarchs that I'm beginning to believe run this country. Oh, and don't, don't roll your eyes because I'm more and more convinced as I look at what's going on in Washington, D.C., that I have a dirty president and a dirty bunch of thieves in the House and in the Senate. Hey, you got to face, face reality, right? I think the editorial board in the Wall Street Journal today said, uh, come on, guys, you know, this testimony is damning. What we've heard so far is damning. And the, we have to have, this has to get straightened out. You can't leave this hanging out there. 
well, I guess you can if the media is complicit in that, but I don't, I, I just don't know. I think that there's enough alternative media right now. Look, you can hear it on talk radio. You can read it on conservative websites. And most people, and, and this is across the board, whether you're a liberal or a conservative, have stopped watching the news that they always watched because they feel betrayed. Conservatives feel betrayed by, you know, the 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 crappy Fox, the way they they handle uh, Tucker Carlson, the way they handle Bill O'Reilly, the way they handle everything. It's all like, you know, now it's like uh, you turn on that morning show and it's like, well, what is Steve Ducey cooking for breakfast this morning? Like, there's no news. You know, they bring on people and they either flatter them or it's just, it's not what we had originally, ha you know, turned to for information, right? You watch CNN and you, you see them trying to, to do things differently. They can't. The, the news is all, uh, you know, horrific. And they can't put kind spins on it. Now, MSN, MSLSD is a whole nother story. I mean, they just sit there and claim that everybody's a racist and everything that's happening is racist and, you know, the, the Bible is racist. I don't know. They're, they're just so out of control. I, I don't know if anybody watches that station. I watch it on little clips on YouTube when I'm looking for a laugh. It's much funnier than Saturday Night Live. You know, the actual people <laughs> do that, that those shows on MSNBC. They're just, they're, they're, they're they comic relief. That's what it is. Don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can get everything streamed to you right live wherever you are. You know, I'm sitting in the most beautiful area of Kentucky right now in Northern Kentucky. And I'm looking out at the barn and all of these beautiful animals. And don't you wish you were me? I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I was reading an article, I think it was by Piers Morgan, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, in the New York Post this morning on the website, and they were talking about, you know, here's a Brit who loves this country. He's looking, as he says, across the pond. That's how he always says it. And he goes, I, I find it really hard to believe that the two men who may end up in a rematch to become the most powerful man in the world, not just in America, the president of the United States, are both kind of crooks. Because he's, you know, he's fed up with Trump and he thinks a lot of these charges, uh, you know, have, have damaged him beyond repair. There's articles out today about how his PAC has spent a whole ton of money on legal fees, no doubt. And and he says, how is it that in a country as and of course, we know President Biden is up to his neck in the sleazy corrupt shenanigans that uh, Hunter dragged him into. And, it, you know, I think Hunter Biden uh, not Hunter Biden, Piers Morgan asked the, you know, the question that I say people looking across the pond would be asking, which is how can these two at least politically damaged and very divisive and relatively unpopular men be heading towards a rematch 
that nobody wants. I mean, even people like me say, oh, a Biden-Trump rematch, is this, are we really, the best we can do is we got an 81-year-old incumbent and a 77-year-old challenger. So no matter who wins, there's going to be an octogenarian, a person in their 80s in the White House, and one whose physical and mental well-being is already a problem. I don't care. You, you know, call me names. Um, it's not a question of his actual age. It's a question of his condition. He, you know, Piers Morgan said he went to a, a, a cricket match on Saturday with Mick Jagger, who just turned 80. And he saw firsthand that the guy still has energy and still has the vitality of a man half his age. Biden has the energy and the vitality of a man 100 years old. But he wants to serve another five and a half years as president of the United States, and the American people are going along with it. And, and, and is that insane or what? As is the idea of, you know, if Donald Trump gets convicted, you would have a convicted criminal as the leader of the free world. So, you know, he says he's looking at the parties and he's going like, hey, 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 you know, whatever. How is it? that even DeSantis, who everybody thought was the second coming, right, cannot make a dent in Trump's poll numbers. Because you see the American people, what, what Pierce Morgan doesn't understand, and which I think a lot of uh, Amer American people don't understand, is this is not about Donald Trump and it's not about Joe Biden anymore. It's about what the American people wanna see happen for the American people. Like, who do we believe can restore the American dream? I'll tell you, where I am here in Kentucky, there's an American dream. You know, there are like American flags everywhere. There are stores selling, a, you know, American T-shirts. I bought a T-shirt yesterday that says if you, uh, if you ate dinner today, you can thank a farmer. And if you ate it in your house, you can thank a veteran you know, or something like that. I can't remember, and it's on my back, so I can't read it right now. But it's like, this is, a this is a country made up of people who are sick and tired of politicians who don't care what's happening in their communities, who don't show up in their communities when something terrible happens, when the water gets poisoned. And, you know, the President uh, Biden goes about his business and doesn't make a trip to, to Pennsylvania. Or, you know, this is a country feels betrayed and they are willing to uh, you know to hire or to vote for a person who says I feel your pain I think it's unfair for you guys to be put in the positions that you get put in you know another armed raid by the IRS this week uh, this weekend first of all you know these armed agents running around on the weekend into gun shops or into any kind of store that they feel like um, now, look, I don't want white-collar crime either, but for goodness sake, you know, you don't really, you don't really believe that we need 87, you know, 100 armed IRS agents? That really just violates everything I feel about this country. You know, why do they think these people are fleeing blue states, which are highly taxed, and going into, you know, these red states where there's no state income tax 
Unbelievable. It, it just at times I, I have to sit here and think like, well, what does Pierce Morgan have to say? He thinks we're crazy. Okay. And then we have, uh, you know, Facebook has decided now to go along with, you know, some legislation that was passed in Canada, right? They've been warning for months, all the meta platforms, that uh, they don't want their the, the links for Facebook and Instagram and, and I guess uh, whatever, you know, they don't want people getting their news off of Twitter, Facebook, any of those sites. So Meta jumped right on it and said, okay, you know, the Online News Act, which was formally approved by Canada's uh, parliament back in, I guess it was the beginning of the summer, June maybe, Meta had warned that if they put that bill into force, it would force Facebook to block access to news reports on its platforms, just like it did in Australia in 2021. Google's parent, Alphabet, has said it would remove links to news articles on its search function for Canadian users. The, you know, I, I got a lot of friends that come from Canada and they fled. And anybody up there who believes in freedom is trying to get out. You think we're seeing, you know, a flood of immigrants coming across the southern border? There's a ton of people coming over the northern border as well. And they're trying to, to escape uh, the prime minister, Trudeau. You know, this is a guy who said last month that the argument that Meta and Google are having about compensation to the local media and, uh, and made the, a choice to attack Canada, Canadians will not be bullied by billionaires in the U.S. That's what Justin Trudeau said. So he's going to censor these platforms providing news for Canadians. Good luck. You know, good luck if you're still in Canada. Good luck to my friend Howard. Good luck to all the people who are trying to ride both sides of the fence. You're going to have to make a decision, especially those of, of who value our freedom. You know, uh, let, let me ask this question. Oops, sorry. Let me ask this question. Does anybody believe that, that uh, Joe Biden wouldn't issue the same kind of edict? I think he would. I know the Democrats would do that. No, no, no. They tried to do it in censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story and it'll lead up to an election, right? We know that for a fact. You know, thanks to Elon Musk allowing people to look at the Twitter files, we know for a fact that they condoned censoring information right so you want that in the white house again or maybe you might consider how when donald trump was there it was a free-for-all put it put what you want and allow the the user the the visitor the reader whatever you want to call the people who use the internet allow them to decide you know what's information and what's misinformation i mean really you know, a bunch, what did Hillary Clinton once said? There was a bunch of bots in Romania that were misinforming the American people. Like, not for nothing, Hillary. I don't think we're that important to Romanians, uh, you know, uh, media's platforms. I think the most of the misinformation that we get comes right from the top. So let me discern it. You know, let me see the testimony of Devin Archer. 
I don't need to hear it from James Comer, and I don't need to hear it from the Democrat, uh, you know, minority leader of the Oversight Committee. Let me see the testimony. Let me read it for myself, and I'll make a decision. You know, it's not, is Joe Biden and his family corrupt? It's how corrupt is Joe Biden and his family? And how will this impact the American people? I mean, come on, guys. You know, if you want to live in a, in a country where you can't, you can't trust the information that you're being given by the fourth estate, which is designed to have a freedom to dispense that information. If that if that's abridged or inter you know interdicted, in other words, if they can tell Meta and Google and and X, if they can say you will not give this kind of story anytime. I was on Instagram the other day, and now there's all these accounts which, when you go to them that I used to frequent, say uh, this content has been determined to be uh, out of regulations or something. And I'm going like, really? I kind of trusted this source. Why is it suddenly you know, misinformation? I mean, obviously there's some crazy stuff out there, but I can discern that. Let me tell you what I think about all these UFOs, and forgive me, Steve Diener, but all of a sudden, it's the pressures heating up on Hunter Biden Pressure's heating up on Donald Trump. The pressure's heating up on DeSantis. All of this pressure, 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 pressure. And all of a sudden, we're hearing that we have had uh, substantial evidence that there have been UFOs uh, for years, decades, and airline pilots and military pilots and all the rest, all these reports that have been compiled, let's release them now so that the American people go chasing little green people instead of looking at the leadership of this country. Just saying. You know, if it's a conspiracy theory, I'll be proven wrong. And if it's not, if I'm actually discerning what might be happening, I'm not sure, but I'm just discerning what I think might be happening, do I get a Pulitzer? Probably not. All right, let me take a break. You're listening to a live broadcast from Williamstown, Kentucky, in northern Kentucky, and from a very, 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 very happy Joyce Kaufman, which is unusual, right? And I'm still mad, but I'm happy. I'll be right back. Well, just in case uh, you thought the pandemic uh, was uh, just a fluke, we now have an outbreak, I'm looking at this, of cases of leprosy surging in Central Florida. My producer told me this story and I found it pretty, pretty scary when you uh, understand that things that had been long gone for the CDC to suddenly declare that leprosy, which is actually uh, the, the proper name for leprosy is Hansen disease or Hansen's disease, I'm not sure if it has an S, and it's been uncommon in the United States. We had a little like outbreak in 1980s, and in the early 1980s, and then you didn't see much through this the 2000s. And now you're seeing this increase in the incidence of leprosy in the United States, more than doubled in the southeastern states over the last decade. I'm telling you, I'm finding more and more reasons to move. Leprosy is a chronic infectious disease primarily affecting a patient's skin and peripheral nervous system. It spreads through extended close contact with a patient who is untreated. Discolored skin, I, I can't even, I, I just, no, no, no. And, and I'm telling you, I'm looking at some of these other 
crazy, crazy stories. You know, what's going on in the Ukraine is at the scale of World War II. You know, amputations in, of Ukrainian soldiers near the front lines. It looks like, did anybody see the movie The Civil War? I went to that movie with a person who was obsessive with the Civil War history. So, because I wanted to know if it was pretty accurate. And his determination, my late friend Rick Siderman, uh, he determined after watching that film, he said it was more than, more than 80% accurate. And one of the things that freaked me out in that movie was the amount of battlefield deaths and amputations, which was just mind boggling. And they were pretty graphic in the movie. So, you know, we're looking at these stories coming out from Russia and Ukraine. In February of this year, a 19-year-old Ukrainian soldier, female, shrapnel, tore her left leg off above the knee. She said, I was holding my thigh bone and watching medics put my leg into a vehicle and take it to the hospital. I was literally holding the bone in my hands, she said. And there and then I realized that this was the end, that my life would never be the same again. She is one of between 20 and 50,000 Ukrainians who have lost one or more limbs since the start of the war. Those are, uh, you know how you get these figures, is estimates from doctors and charities that provide prosthetics, you know, to the doctors and hospitals. The actual figure could be higher because it takes time to register patients after they undergo the amputation. Some are only amputated weeks or months after being wounded. So you now have the Ukrainian counteroffensive underway, which means it's going to be more brutal. And, and that's why when I sit here and I look at these politicians on both sides of the aisle, by the way, you know, talk, well, they got to win this war. They sound like they're talking about Americans. You know, like, well, we, we got to make sure that the war is won against Russia. Well, guess what? They're not winning. They're not. 67,000 Germans and 41,000 Brits had amputations during World War I because that was the only way they could avoid dying, right? Fewer than 2,000 U.S. veterans of the Afghan and Iraq invasions had, had amputations. I mean, I happen to know three of them. But, but Ukraine's government isn't answering any questions about this. Kiev won't even give you casualty statistics. They're so secret because they don't want to demoralize the population. But even a rough estimate tells you that this is a staggering amount of human uh, cost. And it's going to be forever. Amputations are not like going to end when the war ends. Those people are going to have to be living with missing limbs and prosthetic devices for the rest of their lives. And they're in their teens. They're in their 20s. Germany's Ottobach, which is the largest provider, manufacturer of prosthetics, and is working with the Ukraine to help the amputees, 
estimates the number of amputees at about 50,000. At the lower end, the HALP Foundation, which is a charity, and basically uh, calculates serious injuries caused by the war, says, well, there's about 200,000 serious injuries and about 10% typically require amputations. So that would put it at 20,000 instead of 50,000. So your range is between 20 and 50,000 Ukrainian soldiers have had amputations of a limb. This is a very, very costly war in terms of human capital, not to mention the billions of dollars in weaponry and, and, and idiocy that's being provided for by the oligarchs in our own country. It's just, you know, when I look at the, the, the idea, th this uh, Autobach, the, the company that makes the prosthetics, the predominant company, that company was founded in 1919 by the guy's grandfather who just wanted to help the German soldiers coming back from World War I who lost their arms and legs or lost their eyesight. And he says, we're looking at the same thing happening right now in 2020, from 2021 to now in the Ukraine. This woman had five operations before she got an artificial leg, the soldier that I was talking about. You know, this 19-year-old, this Ruslana Daninklinka, you know, does anybody think about that when they look at the list of munitions and now we just sent to the Ukraine these uh, the explosive devices that are basically illegal everywhere. It's just grotesque. It is. It's grotesque. And, and that's why, you know, um, I'm beginning to, to say there's a global conspiracy to destroy humanity. You know, sorry. But look at what's going on. We stopped talking about Syria. You have no clue, most people have no clue of the devastation that Syria has gone through. Bashar Assad has killed off just hundreds of thousands of people and like it's not a news story anymore. It's not, you know, the, the mullahs in Iran are perfecting nuclear weapons which even if they don't launch at Israel or even if they don't launch at us, they'll sell them to somebody who will. It's just, you know, some rogue state. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm just frustrated because I, I think the American people, you know, are, are, they keep looking at the shiny thing. Let me tell you a great little story. I'll tell this quickly. I went to see Mission Impossible uh, over the weekend. I think it's one part of a three-part series. First and foremost, Tom Cruise is like the bomb. He's just 61 years old, and he looks great, and he does most of his own stunt work. He flies off a cliff on a motorcycle. It's mind-boggling, you know, and, uh, and still relatively, uh, you know, sexy. And I'm watching this movie, and the premise of the movie, and the premise, I guess, of the next three movies is that artificial intelligence has now developed itself into such a position that it literally can destroy humanity. And that's its plan. You know, and, and so now the IMF 
the impossible missions force has to stop it. But even their computer geniuses are like freaking out. Like uh, the one guy um, who, I love this guy. He's he's a great actor, but I can't, his name escapes me. Um, he says at the end of the movie, he goes, you won't, you won't be able to contact me for a while because I have to go so completely off the grid to escape what the artificial intelligence is capable, uh, intelligence is capable of doing to me and my work. And like, you know, the IMF shakes their head. Yeah, it's true, you know. And go see the movie. It was a great movie. By the way, uh, it was only outgrossed by one movie this weekend. I was surprised the theater was empty when I went to it. Meanwhile, in the adjacent theater, a movie that has been out for weeks, which I told everybody they should go see, Sound of Freedom, outgrossed Mission Impossible and outgrossed The Flash. They've generated nearly $150 million in this country, which means that Dead Reckoning was the name of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Something about this anti-sex trafficking movie with James Caviezel got people to come out who haven't been back to theaters since before COVID, older people. That's, uh, that's important. Put that in your little memory bank. Let me take my final break. When we come back, I'll be able to finish up today's show. And then afterwards, you can listen to Eric Erickson right here on 850 WFTL. And tomorrow morning, we begin the madness all over again with Jen and Bill. So stay right where you are. You know, sometimes I look at this news and I think to myself, is anybody paying attention? But, you know, my listeners are so amazing. They are paying attention. Here I am sitting in Kentucky. My producer is sitting in uh, Palm Beach. And I get an email from, well, I get a couple of emails. One from a friend who's in North Carolina. Another one from my friend who is in, uh, in New Zealand, okay? And my friend in New Zealand tells me that Syrian foreign minister, because I said, anybody paying attention to the news about Syria? Syrian foreign minister Faisal al-Mahkad drops a bomb during a press conference with his Iranian counterpart, Hussein Amir Abd al hain He said it is better for the American army to withdraw from Syria before it is forced to do so. It's a mess. It's a mess all over the place. And people here are, you know, worried about, uh, you know, I don't even know what you got. It's the shiny thing all the time. Everybody's looking at the shiny thing. You know, we got uh, indictments. Oh, you're on indictment watch again. Oh, and the Georgia district attorney. Oh, and, and Hunter Biden's business partner. And then there's UFOs, right? So people are just dizzy and not really paying attention to the monstrosity of this uh, deep state or whatever you want to call it, bureaucratic state. My friend said the amputations were high because there were no antibiotics and there were no procedures. That's true. But today it's 2023. You know, they're, they're cutting off limbs in, in this Ukrainian war with Russia like they did on the battlefield in World War II. I mean, come on, man. This is not supposed to be happening. It wasn't happening when Donald Trump was president. 
That's just the bottom line. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.